Let's spell a song so you can sing along with my special guest star too. For two, you like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is one of the besties of the pod, Lauren Gismondi, everyone. Woohoo! Hi! Hello! <laughs> Happy 4th of July! Ah, uh, yes, American independence. What a joy. Uh-huh. What a story. Oh, my God. Can't wait to get into it. And ha- and what a better way to celebrate Independence Day than talking about the movie 1776. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so, okay. Um, this movie came out in 1972, which I'm a little miffed by that because they had the opportunity just to wait four years and then be like the a perfect you know bicentennial mm-hmm. and everything but there was a bicentennial so uh the screenplay is by peter stone who i believe also wrote the book for the musical uh yes. and then the music and lyrics are by sherman edwards it was directed by peter h hunt who i think also directed the musical are we sensing a theme here everyone (laughs) and according to imdb a musical retelling of the of the american revolution's political struggle in the continental congress to declare independence now have you seen or done the stage version i have seen the stage version several times I'm very familiar with it. Interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so since we're on this subject, the stage version came out in 1969. Prior to that, the, I found on the Wikipedia page for 1776, there were two other musicals about the, a similar subject, or at least the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. In 1925, there was Dearest Enemy, a Rogers and Hart musical. And then in 1950, a musical called Arms and the Girl. Right? Is that right? Did I say? Sure. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Yes. Arms and the Girl. Music by Morton Gould. Lyrics by Dorothy Fields. And book by Herbert Fields. And then 1776 came out in 1969. It won three Tony Awards. Best Musical, Best Performance by a Featured Actor in a Musical for Ron Holgate, and then Best Direction of a Musical. Um, It was supposed to come out, uh, there was supposed to be a revival last year, but uh, as many people probably have seen, (laughs) there is a new version coming out this fall, which star uh, non-cisgender white men. Yeah, it's AR- yes, it's ART's production um, in Boston, I think. Um, yeah, and it's all women. It's it's basically the antithesis of what the original cast is. Which is interesting. So I've never seen this before. Oh, okay. <laughs> this okay, is so my why first did you? So can I ask you a question, John? Yes, you can ask me any question you want, Warren. Why? I mean, other than it being Independence Day, what was your interest in watching this movie? That's it. I like, the- I like doing themed episodes, and since... Okay. Uh, this episode is coming out on July 4th. Uh, I was like, well, we have to. We have to. <laughs> okay, okay. All 
right. Plus, I mean, you know, the goal of this podcast is to cover most, if not all, <laughs> musical movies and TV shows. And so at some point I was going to have to do 1776, I feel like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in my brain, it was the only patriotic Americana or American musical that I can think of that dealt with Independence Day, the American Revolution, some sort of political nature for this day. I could be wrong. You know, there could be more I, or that I don't know of. <laughs> okay. All right. I was just curious. I was merely curious. Plus, we get to talk about Mr. Feeney for an hour. <laughs> Okay, so do you, I have to say the most intriguing parts of this movie, I can't, and again, I can't speak for the the stage version, so Uh grain of salt with me. I think the most intriguing parts were the debates that happened in the Continental Congress, not the songs. (laughs) The the listeners cannot see it, but I am ferociously nodding my head, yes. I believe that this is one of the strongest books for a musical it's strong so strong frankly that you could take the songs away and it would still be an intriguing yes interesting piece of theater because i during during the song sit down john i just wrote (laughs) what the fuck is happening Listen, for years, every time, so I guess I should say, um, I was first exposed to 1776, the musical. When I was in fifth grade, we went on a school field trip to a local theater on Long Island. um, And I would be my two closest friends from home, other than John, are are Allie and Jen. And we, it's to this day, it's a conversation every 4th of July, which is us remembering this ridiculous field trip they took us on. And um, because we were in elementary school, we only saw the first half. So for a long time, I was, you know, similar, I had a similar experience with Into the Woods. For a long time, I just thought the first act was the show. That was it. And then as, you know, growing up later on, I was like, oh, there's this whole other half of this musical I know nothing about and have since, you know, seen it um, produced elsewhere. The the most important part of the musical (laughs) where they they signed the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) We were nine and ten years old, okay? It was an excuse to get us out of school for a half day. At the end, that was really what it was. (laughs) I mean, I did, I, I, some like stray thoughts that I had during during the um, movie was like the scenes where they're arguing. I wish, I wish when I was in like middle school or high school or in school in general, they showed us this moment because I mean, A, great acting and B, you get an understanding of what may have happened. I mean, I I can't say that this is exactly what happened because there it. You're you're going by different written accounts, probably. Yes. Um, I'm pretty. It it, it did seem like um, I want to say his name again. Uh, Peter Stone did his research to like because uh-huh. you because we all heard about Lin Manuel Miranda's research for Hamilton that he wrote read all these books and uh, yeah he was spending got, time at Hamilton's house yeah. in, in Hamilton Heights and so. This was the Hamilton before Hamilton, if you will. I, yeah, I would say that 1776 walked so Hamilton could sprint. But like, what I think happened in Hamilton is that 
they made the songs made more sense. I mean, obviously, it's it's a it's a operetta, if you will. Hamilton, right? Yeah. Would you classify it as an operetta? It's closer, and it's in that vein. Yeah. Okay. Say. Or um, the word, the phrase that um, I heard radio likes to use is hip hopra. Mm, yes, uh, but like. <laughs> In this movie, The Lees of Old Virginia, I was just like, what is happening? What the actual fuck is going on? <laughs> I, I And that's what I wrote. But seriously, what's happening? <laughs> it is The Lees of Old Virginia. He's giving you the whole bloody family history. Right, but like, <laughs> probably... <laughs> it's, it's silly. Possibly. I don't know what you want me to see. Exactly. It's supposed to be... I think so much of the the, the lyrics are, are so smart in this musical. I think that's part of the reason I I it's endearing for me is because it is so smart. You have to really listen and pay attention, or else you're gonna miss at least one or two jokes, at least, or miss an explanation. It requires in a weird and. I say this because the first time I saw the movie was a couple of years ago um, at a friend's apartment drunk in Harlem on the 4th of July. So I really, the first time I'd ever seen the movie, I was kind of in and out, sort of paying attention. I know the show. I'm like, I don't need to see this. I don't need to see this. And I would get sucked in for a few minutes because I think what was going on between the, the, the bickering in Congress. I honestly think that this should be required viewing if you're going to become a member of Congress. I think that there's oh. a lot that, that like some politicians could learn from the way this conversation, the conversations go down in this particular movie, especially when Ben Franklin at one point says, what are they going to think of us? Are they going to see, we're, we're not demagogues. We're not, we're just yeah. men. They're not going to think of us that way. And I'm sitting, you know, here we are in 2022. And I was like, about that, Benny and, boy. And- <laughs> literally just watched it and i'm already forgetting his name but the one delegate uh from pennsylvania who it was down to his vote wilson yes yes where he's like i don't want to be part of history i just want to be anonymous like yeah that was Mm -hmm. an amazing performance like i think also it should be required viewing if you want to be an actor like like this is acting right here like these argument arguing scenes that they're doing perfection it's beautiful uh uh yeah i think uh, also the opening monologue is one of my favorite opening monologues to anything maybe ever where it's john adams just starting to where he just starts to rail and the level goes up and up and up and up It just brings me such joy because I sit there and I'm like, that's how I feel when I watch C-SPAN occasionally. That's it. That's what this is. Oh my God. You, you clever. You're so clever. I am. That's why you bring me on every once in a while to remind Uh everybody of my, of my genius. (laughs) Among other things, among other things. I'm, Uh. I, I mean, this is, and this is one of the, the rare instances where I picked the musical and the guest. Um, do you, I mean, it seems like you're a fan of the show. I would am. you, would you say it's in your top 10 of shows? Ooh, I don't know if I'd say top 10. Okay. I will say it's one of, it is one of my favorite books. It's one of my favorite scripts. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, 
and I'm like thrilled about the production that's going up uh, later this year because if I had known about it, I would have auditioned in a heartbeat. I was like, sign me up. I want to play all the men. <laughs> Can I do be you, Thomas Jefferson? Like, come on. Well, do, uh, yeah, I was about to ask you which role do you want to be Jefferson? I could see you. I could I'm too young for Ben Franklin. Um, I think makeup, I would have darling, most, makeup. I, I know, on. but I would rather them hire an actual older actress. You know, mm-hmm. like okay. let's get the, 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 they they the work is limited as you age. So like we we have to create the opportunities, the space. Either that, or I would want to be um, Caesar, the one who has cancer. Well, okay. So Ooh. fun fun fact about him, um, he wasn't. In real life, he wasn't as sick as they portray him in the show slash movie. He, well, yeah. <laughs> he apparently lived another like eight years and that's when, and he died. Um, there you go. Well, hey, dramatic interpretation. Yeah. So you need to have that moment where he starts freaking out and almost passes out. Spoiler! <laughs> you know what's also really interesting about, uh, about this uh, revival that we're talking about, this new one at ART? Like, th- I know they gender swapped the male roles, but the female roles are still portrayed by women or uh, female presenting performers. Mm -hmm. Because I think the other caveat of this is that they they have some trans actors, they have some non-binary actors, they have actors of color, which is, I'm so, I'm, Lauren, we're going. We're fucking okay. going. <laughs> I mean, any excuse to go to Boston is a good excuse. So I'm here for it. Apparently it's coming to Broadway in the fall. So. Oh, but I still want to go to, can, can we see it before I go? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go. We're, I don't want to play for, I would rather pay for the bus ticket to Boston than throw money at Broadway producer. Okay. Okay. We can do that. Let's do it. <laughs> don't tell anybody, but tell everyone. <laughs> Nobody's listening. It's fine. It, this is just us talking on Zoom. I don't know what you're talking about, Lauren. I know, right? Who's going to know? Who's going to know? <laughs> um, so how did you watch this movie? This time around? Yes. I broke it up, um, frankly, because I was tired. And I, oh, I realized it was... Oh. oh, no, I meant like what platform or did you watch it? Do you have the DVD of it? What? Oh! Whoops. <laughs> I mean, it's fine that you broke it up because, I mean, so the one that- It's almost three hours long, John. Yes. And my attention span is questionable on a Sunday night. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, so I'll give you both. I watched the first two hours and then watched the last 15 minutes. I did it that way. Um, and then um, I found it on, oh goodness, it's it's a very small, free- streaming service i believe it's called just movie land or movie fun land i i i i talked to my roku and i said the title 1776 and that was the first thing that popped up and they're like it's free and i said i don't have the streaming service oh i have to download another thing on my fine okay well so it's interesting (laughs) because um i watched i rented it on prime and we both watched the director's cut because if you look at the IMDb page of it, uh, you don't literally have to right now. It says that the movie's two hours and 21 minutes, but clearly the one that we watched is two hours and five zero fifty. Right, right. Well, that's because um, Cool, Cool, Considerate Men was cut. From the original film. Yes, because apparently it might have been offensive, to which I was like, uh, duh. Do you know I'm- who is the one that 
put that order in place? I'm not entirely sure, but I would love for you to tell me, I guess. President Richard Nixon. Ah! Well, that's uh, interesting, is it not? <laughs> I, again, grain of salt, because my sources are IMDb and Wikipedia. Um, well, that sounds kind of correct, given the rest of his track record, that this might upset him a little bit. Well, because <laughs> he didn't want it to portray Republicans in a negative light. Little did he know what history would do later on. In, in yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, cool, cool, considerate men is... Um, is tame I considering would say is saccharin compared to what's going on now <laughs> or what happened years like decade the decades after his yes. presidency yes that's right. <laughs> exactly exactly right and i mean there's other songs that i think that you might find more upsetting than cool cool considerate men in this show so wait, so wait. I definitely think there's at least two that would be classified as more upsetting in this show yes which ones uh, Mama Look Sharp. Okay. And I would say Molasses to Rum. I actually really did like Mama Look Sharp. Oh, I love, I love Mama Look Sharp. But I'm saying as far as songs that you might be upset or offended by, those are the two that you might, that, that might be more, sorry, more perturbing than Cool, Cool, Considerate Men. Because like Mama, Mama Look Sharp and Is Anybody There, the second or well, so the last good. song of the show, because then there's the finale, but um, which is all orchestration. Um, both of them felt like they they came from a different show entirely. <laughs> I th- see. I don't feel that way. That's interesting. Oh, maybe it's just I'm, I'm just I know the piece. granted. Yes, yes. That, I mean, granted. I this is my first time viewing it. I mm-hmm. think I will be revisiting this in a future. Yes, it is long, but like I didn't hate it. Yeah, I, I, it never feels that long to me. The th- it moves. I think it's well-paced, you know, where the songs... And even th- that one, like, 45-minute long scene where it's just dialogue. Oh, my God. I was intre- I was so, like, engaged in everything. Mm-hmm. I Like, ironically, it's the songs that, like, took me out of everything. And I was just like, I'm... I can't pay attention to you right now, except for the, <laughs> except for Mama Look yeah, Sharp and is sure. anybody there? Because Mama Look Sharp is Leather Apron, the, um, oh crap, what's his name? The like, the one that they keep barking at for rum and open up the windows and everything. And then also- Oh, McCall. I think it's McCall or something to that effect. And then um, the, the uh, officer that keeps coming in with- The messenger. Me- yeah, the messenger, Korea. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which- I was just like, I want like the show to be this, you know, like to kind of have a Rosencrantz and Guild insert. Oh God, I keep bringing that up. Uh, to have a, a moment like that where it's, you know, like the American people around what's happening in Congress. Like that would have uh-huh. been, that would be interesting to see. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think in this case, we just get more, gl- we get glimpses of it. It's like kind of refresh your palate. In, yeah, in, in a theatrical sense. How did you feel uh, about the uh, sort of dream sequences that happened with John and Abigail Adams? <laughs> you want to know what it is? Is that it is because they are? It's these are their letters, right? Yes, it's them communicating through uh, writing because she's in Massachusetts, he's in Philly, he's in Pennsylvania. So I mean. <sighs> 
it did the job. I'm not thrilled about the job, but it was fine. But it is some of my favorite passages. Like, till then, or her moment at the very end when she finally gets, when she gets him the saltpeter. Uh, like, it's it's sweet to me. It's always been sweet to me. Does it work but better on stage, though? Is that I the thing? I think so. Yeah, I think there's more you can do with it in a theatrical sense. I mean, I like that they kept bringing them closer to closer together and then pulling them apart, apart, apart over the Oh, sequences. yeah, what was that? Like, that well, was cool. There was that one song or moment, I can't remember, where he's, like, sitting on the steps out front of the Congress and then she, like, joins him and then they go away. And I was just like, that's, like, Interesting visual storytelling right there. Yeah, that's in the opening, isn't it? Piddle, twiddle, and resolve until then. It's right there. Probably. I, th- I, I think, yeah. Lauren, those were, like, <laughs> those were like 17 hours ago in my, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> A lot has happened. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, that's towards the opening because he storms out of Congress after trying to get them to vote mm-hmm. for independence. Yeah. John. John runs out. And he's like, I'm the, he needs a break. And rightfully so. It's hot. It's Philadelphia in the spring. It's toasty. And they're wearing all that clothing. Of course they're going to Oh, my God. How? First of all, beautiful costumes. And the wigs were gorgeous, too, I have to say. Mm -hmm. But, like, every time they complained about how hot it was, I was like, take off your frock coat. (laughs) I I don't think. I think they only do it once. I think John Hancock only takes off that coat one time. He did. It was off during uh, the Lees of Old Virginia at some point. Oh, there you go. Okay, so it happens more than once. But Sorry. like that, that was also an outdoor uh-huh. scene. Sure, so like sure. a little understandable, but uh-huh. like, yeah. I mean, yep. I, I think at the time it was, it was seen as like uncouth to take off. Yes. Yeah. That is correct. Um, I'd also, I have to give a shout out to Blythe Danner for her one scene, wham, bam, in and out. <laughs> what God. a treasure. What a treasure. And it's unfortunate because I love the song he plays the violin. It's very, it, it's super tongue in cheek. And I, that was the one thing for me that was missing from the song is I'm like the, the, old, it's about sex. The, yes. Oh, for sure. Okay, like okay. Her being always undone. Like, yes, that is the yeah, basic idea. There were moments that I was just like, are they talking about like different sexual positions and things like that? I mean, she is talking about the music. We know that he's a violinist. We know that from the scene before. But then there's but some lyrics. that's where... his way in which he woos her. But there was also some of the like turn of phrases, I guess, oh, yeah, in, the, in the song yeah, that yeah. I was just like, are, yes. you, are you talking about... <laughs> things <laughs> a lot of a lot, a lot of things yes <laughs> i would say yes and that was for me i was like oh they didn't play that up but I, maybe that was the point i don't know i did read though that william daniels mr feeney went on to play in other movies john quincy adams samuel adams and then he again played john adams which i just found very fascinating and then obviously in the late 90s he was mr feeney and that's how almost everyone of our age knows him fair yeah that is true um i have a story i would like to share actually about this musical movie okay um this is actually about somebody you may remember john do you remember um mr green the um music director of middle country he told us a story once because he did this show 
in high school or college. He was a young person and he was playing John Adams. And, you know, at the every, so for those of you who haven't seen the musical or the movie um, at the very end, of, of the song is anybody there um, John Adams is reciting the words that George Washington has written to the Congress and it's is anybody there does anybody care does anybody see what I see talking about like th this incoming massive war and and all of it you know his feelings on the subject wrapped in that and Mark Green told us that he did the performance for a bunch of like middle schoolers or elementary school I think it was middle schoolers it had to be obnoxious and he sings is anybody there and then there's a pause in the music there's a break and somebody in the audience went no <laughs> and he kept going does anybody care no <laughs> does nice. anybody see what I see no from the audience he got heckled <laughs> it's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite 1776 stories. Oh, like that, and, <laughs> and that's the that's the most emotional part of the show. <laughs> it is, and that's why it's funny because it's so blatantly inappropriate. <laughs> so that's all I hear every time, no matter what. I'm like, even if I'm like emotional about what's going on in that moment in the play, in the movie, or the musical. I just have to control my laughter because I still hear that this middle school kid from like 1980 or 1970 something going, no, you, <laughs> which actually is appropriate for John Adams, frankly, <laughs> poor guy spends the whole bloody movie trying to get people on his side, but because he is acerbic and stubborn and all the other you know adjectives he uses to describe himself as a as a person it's like yeah i could see why this might be a problem which is <laughs> hilarious because from what i read uh allegedly the john adams in real life was praised by members of the congress and only he like had negative thoughts and feelings about himself <laughs> so that makes sense too so like a little, little self-loathing is healthy i guess so like i get it that they needed some sort of tension for the show and movie uh -huh. and everything um and i'm pretty sure I, again i wasn't there and i haven't really like i i, I haven't read anything deeper into uh -huh. um the birth of the declaration of independence but like i have a feeling when that scene where the different delegates talk about uh, their grievances with the way that Jefferson wrote it uh, yeah. I feel like that's true where it's like you don't mention God uh, the whole debate about slavery like uh -huh. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's real because it seemed like it was from the pages of some sort of diary or something no that was a point of contention that was a real point of contention that didn't even really start to get resolved. It, and it, that's why I think Molasses to Rum is such an interesting song that Rutledge sings because he's, he's basically saying, we're not the only evil party here. Mm -hmm. You're kind of come off all high and mighty, but Jefferson had slaves. Right. And like, he... they all had slaves. <laughs> yeah. It's an, it's an interesting villain-ish. I guess it is maybe the only villain song other than maybe Cool, Cool, Considerate Men. 
Um, but that's what he sort of brings up. He's like, it's not just us that are benefiting from this situation. Right. Ooh. And, 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 and you know, I saw a production. Um, oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, continue. No, no, no. I, I, it's not important. I, it's, it's interesting to kind of look back at this because like I, I also read too that uh, Jefferson really only released like a couple like two or three uh-huh. of his slaves in his lifetime uh-huh. and then um, in his will he released like again two or three more but then the other like hundreds that he had <laughs> it's so true were oh. sold off or whatever yes. like I don't I, again, I may the have. The point like, is, is that they were not all. Nobody was standing on the moral high ground. No, not a soul, really. At that at the time. End of, at that time, and then even like going, you know, looking looking ahead um, to the, the 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 Constitution. Even then, it's like this was it's right. It's like it was like they they couldn't agree. Because then, like this. ninety years later, mm-hmm. that's when something actually happened yeah yeah we get yeah you get the step in you get the step in the right direction with the emancipation proclamation in the 1860s mm-hmm. that is correct which of course sets off the civil war but like the fact mm-hmm. that yeah it took so long I, yeah i wonder and, I, I wonder though mm-hmm. I, i'm really bad with history everyone and my brain could only hold so much knowledge at a time i just wonder cool. though if they if um congress over that span of time revisited the subject oh they definitely had to have okay because it became a bigger and bigger problem as states in the north were were abolishing slavery yes they're abolishing it they're abolishing it one by one by one and that's what kind of that's what that's what that's one of the things it's probably the thing that severed the nation there were other issues but that was the biggest contributing factor is deciding whether or not these people that they have taken from their homes are worthy of being counted as as a as human as their own person instead of a piece of property or as three-fifths of a of a uh, you know that the three-fifths compromise like that was that was a big dividing factor and you can see if you read about history after especially after between 1812 and like the war of 1812 and the civil war you can see how the tension gets more and more intense my other favorite thing speaking about dumb things in history is like watching new york abstain in every single my (laughs) god and it made me laugh because I, you know, I do, or at least I used to when I had cable television would watch um, Spectrum, like City Hall on Spectrum, which is basically where they, like Spectrum would invite in different people um, from the, the different boards within New York City and just watch them go at it on any, like the, the moderator would ask a question and we'd watch them tear each other apart. And I was like, yeah, I could see like going into New York City State Parliament and seeing it being a, like a nightmare. They can't agree on anything. <laughs> and then, never gave us any instructions. And then North Carolina <laughs> yielding to South Carolina. I was just like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how true that is, but I felt like that's a weird character trait for a show where it's like, mm, I'm just going to not say anything until this other state says something. <laughs> Daddy, daddy's going to take care of it. We're just going to do whatever daddy says. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, 
swallow daddy here. It just made me laugh every time he's like, New York abstains courteously. And uh, like, like the, the, I don't, I don't know if, again, history, not my forte. I don't know if any of these guys portrayed in this, any of these historical figures portrayed in this movie are truthful. Sure. I, I also really loved that drunkard, like. <laughs> The guy from Rhode Island who's yeah. always in the pub? Yes. Well, he's who's always ordering a rum and was very upset yes. when they were gonna close the caskets and everything. Like, cause <laughs> he is so like he is so like angry liberal, but also angry drunk. And I think <laughs> I love him. But, it's true, yes. Like that moment at the end where he's like i want to see every man's face as he signs this piece of paper i was just like you yes that's amazing like yes you understand your like everyone in that room understands that they are part of history uh-huh. and like he's just like like obviously there's no cameras or it was before the invention of that and probably uh-huh. i feel like the ending is staged as a painting am i yes. is that truthful okay Yes, and it's that way in the stage production. That's actually the reason I like this movie musical because it felt like I was in the theater. It yes. didn't feel like I was in a movie. I felt like I felt theatrical. Well, so that that's because majority of the cast is from the Broadway production. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I would also say the way they filmed it too. Keeping yeah. the wide shots really wide, the close-ups cl- fairly close. It felt, especially at the, all this, uh, the action on the stairs during, um, oh my goodness, but Mr. Adams. Um, the titles. The titles of these songs are <laughs> insane, too. I know. And That's but why Mis- I but Mr. I Adams, have them in front of me. That's but, why. <laughs> but Mr. Adams is a stupid song. Like it I is. like like it's a it's an important song because they're tra- they're like playing hot potato to figure out who's actually going to write it. It's very important to the case. But I was just like the fact that you called it but comma Mr. Adams. Why? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it works because you. It's the it one. Works. It's, it is the one phrase we hear multiple times over the course of the whole song. But Mr. Adams. But Mr. Yeah. Adams. And you're like yes. oh, okay. <laughs> Not done, not done in rhythm because I don't remember. Like, I can't sing you anything from this show, this movie. Oh, you can't. Well, I mean, this is also first time viewing, so <laughs> you haven't been haunted by "Sit Down, John." Sit down, John. For God's sake, John. Well, sit down. So I also want to open up a window. <laughs> I, listen, during the summer months, I will sing it that way. Like, it just—it—it's ridiculous. So, I what, say vote, also, yes, sit down, John. See, I'm going to be on a tear. I can't help myself. What's also <laughs> interesting is, um, oh, crap, where, I think it was on IMDb. I'm trying to find, yes, okay, so there are, um, I'm going to read this directly from IMDb trivia for this movie. Uh, two later dramatic interpretations of the American Revolutionary era pay homage to this musical's song, Sit Down, John. In the HBO miniseries, John Adams, 2008, Adams is pacing anxiously during his daughter's breast cancer surgery that when his wife, Abigail, admonishes him, uh, for God's sake, John, sit down. Also, in Hamilton, an American musical, Lin-Manuel Miranda paraphrases this line in the song, The Adams Administration, by having Alexander Hamilton sing, sit down, John, you fat motherfucker. Yes, 
So I know the music of Hamilton. And so when I didn't realize that that was paying homage to this. And oh, yes. I guess, I think so. Lightly. Lightly. It's, I, yeah, that's, that's really, it's my favorite thing. I don't know. It's, I have such a love for it. And I know that this isn't for everybody because this musical kind of musical in the movie, it traipses into opera land at certain points. Yeah. Like as far as, the, especially how the, the orchestrations are, it runs into that world. And so that's part of the reason I love it. I'm like, bring it on all day, every day. I will live for it. I'm, but you know that's that's what makes it kind of fun and tricky and i love that it that other things pull from it i have to say though watching mm-hmm. this movie i felt like because you know how sometimes whenever they make the movie version of a stage musical they cut songs i felt like we were missing so, like some songs were turned into dialogue but that's not the case no that this is one. not the case <laughs> but like it did feel like that because there were long spanses of time between the songs and so i'm a little hesitant now to call this a musical in a way i mean i mean there's still what 15 songs technically technically yeah yeah it's a musical in three hours yeah and the music and the songs are not short it's not like 30 second little blips They're, they're each at least two and a half minutes long some version closer to four minutes so true yeah. Some four minutes dancing. too long. There's dancing, you know? I mean, it's it's not the best dancing in the world, but it's there. <laughs> what was with cool, cool, considerate men? That oh, dance you didn't break? like them stepping to the right? <laughs> to well, the like, right. I, I mean, I get da, it, because they they were trying to be... It seemed like that song, they were trying to be... Um part of like posh English society during the yeah exactly and is they're, that... tap, okay. they're tapping into their roots John <laughs> as, but, as English offspring but like the other fascinating thing about this um, movie is that everyone is speaking with an um, what is a modern American accent mm-hmm. except for that one Scottish guy but like <laughs> yes. wouldn't it's always fascinating the the evolution of the American accent because, like, I don't know when we sounded like the way we sound like instead of how people from the UK or yeah. British folks sound like. So, like, I wonder why, like, Rutledge didn't have, like, a slight British accent or some other people didn't have one. I yeah. I thought that would have been... okay. ART, if you're listening right now, if you haven't opened your version of 1776 yet, have some of your people speak with a British accent and it will probably be very entertaining for me (laughs) and me alone. (laughs) Well, what's interesting about the evolution of the American accent, um, especially what I know most is um, about the accent of the American South and how that has evolved. Um, When I was down living in Kentucky, um, a lot of the kids could, we were doing Annie at one year and then a Christmas Carol the next. And the kids could not pick up the New York accent in Annie. Oh, interesting. And it was, it was, it was so sweet and so funny, but mostly just like doing, because he went in the laundry basket with Mr. Bundles. Like, instead of like, yeah, he went 
yeah, in the laundry basket with Mr. Bundles. Like, it, they could not. They literally had these kids sit hanging out with me in between rehearsals so that they could hear me speak to try and emulate it. I, it did not necessarily happen, tell you what. But working on them with um, A Christmas Carol, they picked up on the British accent quick. And there's a lot of similarities between, like, the Appalachian dialect that link directly to English, Irish, Scottish roots. So I would even be content if they were to do it. It's like the people from the Southern States had that a slight, slight Southern-ish drawl mixed with that British mm-hmm. um, accent. I was like, uh, I'm like, I was thinking RP, but that's basically what I'm thinking. I, I think, I, well, and what's also interesting is that all the men speak with a similar accent though. Yes, it's different. So it's there neutral. is there is no north or south or yeah. state by state. It's similar. Yeah, it, it's universal. It's universal, mm-hmm. I would say. But I, again, I kind of wish Rutledge, at least Rutledge, cuz he's the one that's most like we cannot leave the empire, the English empire. And the other one, um Dixon Dickinson? Dickinson, Dickinson, yes, Dickinson, yes. If the two of them, if the two of them had like, just, I'm talking like the slightest of slight, not like, oi, Gofna. (laughs) (laughs) We're not doing Dick Van Dyke British accent? We're not (laughs) doing, no, no, no. I just, I just think that would be an interesting choice. So this way, Mm -hmm. like, because we have this Scottish guy who's then offend, his accent then is like a Chekhov's gun where later it's brought into question and brought up and everything. And so I was just like, why not have an Englishman or some, or like a slight English accent? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, that's, but like, you know, little detail, little detail, yes, just, for, just yes. for my viewing. Um, is there anything else though you want to bring up before we get into sharp and flat? I know we're there already. I think I've said a lot of what I want to say. Oh, fun, <laughs> fun fact that I read about the egg. That song was yes. written later in the process of the musical and um sherman edwards was inspired by the poster of the promotional posters of the show seven for for the show 1776 where it was the egg uh being cracked and the flags coming out of it so that's how he wrote that's why he wrote the song the egg oh that is a fun fact which like that song Uh i didn't feel took me that far out of the story no, not at all. I think it, it fits right in. What I would like to add about Sherman Edwards is that this is his first major musical, and I think it's his only musical. Really? Yeah, he was writing pop songs up until that point. Like, he was writing for Sarah Vaughn and some other people as well. If you do, if you look him up, you'll see. Like, he, 1776 is his, his only, only one. Musical. You were correct. And wow. I, think that's be, I mean that that's actually kind of cool you know he he knew he wrote something and he felt he accomplished what he needed to accomplish and that was kind of it which is the one was that molasses and rum that they started using the um star spangled banner which was the wh- whichever song it was it started using uh the star spangled banner and then ended the song musically with it I was like genius. This is perfection. I'm right not here. sure. Maybe there was I because I 
blatantly was just hearing them go, oh, say, can you see something, 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 something. Like they then went off into the song itself. And I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> I'm uh, not sure which song, but I'm like, brava. 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 We'll fit. Brava. Maybe future John will insert something here to say it. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, sure, sure. let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Sharp Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. And if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it can change, it is flat. Lauren, do you want to go first with your sharps? I can if you want. I do want. Okay. Well, I think I've said most of mine, uh, the first of which being um, is the, the book, the, the screenplay in this mm-hmm. case. I think the screenplay is chef's kits. It is perfection. And I want, like I said earlier, I, like, I want other people, especially people who are going into politics, people who are going into theater, they should read this. They should watch it because it's kind of masterful. And um, Sherman Edwards did write the book originally um, for the musical, but then Peter Stone came in and judged it and brought more to it, which is why I, I, I love kind of the dichotomy. And no matter what, I think it's just such a smart piece. And mm-hmm. that, that is my biggest sharp. Also, another sharp is anytime I hear Sit Down John, it just brings me such joy. But I it am It makes sitting. me laugh. I know, right? For God's sake, right John, now. sit down. It just it's because it, you know what it is? It's like I, I've been I've been both people in that situation. I've been the one that can't shut up and is just ranting and raving and trying to get people to agree with me. And I've also been the one in the corner of the room being, Can you just somebody just please open up a window, please? <laughs> it's what? relatable. The whole thing is relatable. Why do you think I started a podcast? I know, I know. <laughs> yes, because you needed to, you got sick and tired of people telling you to sit down, John. Yeah, rocking the boat. Well, this is me opening the window, and nobody has told me to sit down yet. <laughs> um, I would say, um, I, I love the actor who plays Thomas Jefferson, I think he has a great speaking voice. Oh, I forget yeah. the name of the actor, but his speaking voice is really nice. I, I know that that's not as specific as I usually am, but... Ken Howard, um, who unfortunately passed away in 2016 at the age, at the age of 71. He's, if you look at his IMDb, he had a very healthy career. So... Good for him. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, I had, to, I had to look him up because I was like, you look so familiar. I think he right. looked... I think in my brain, he kind of looks like Patrick Wilson. And that's why I was like, I know him, but I don't know him. I know Patrick Wilson. So yeah. Um, yes. Okay. So for my sharps, uh-huh. William Daniels, I fucking love, he was amazing at this. And like, it's, it's great to find, to see actors careers prior to like the role that they were, or like even after a role that they are most known for. Because, like, you know, watching this prior, even kind of during it, I was just like, Feeny! See, I didn't see it. Until you said it earlier, I was like, oh! 
Yeah, that's Mr. Whoops. Feeney. Yeah. I'm, well, I didn't watch Boy Meets World growing up, so uh, I don't know that one, but I know who the character is. Yeah. Um, no, you guys can come for me, I guess, if you want, but my parents didn't have a ton of money when I was a child, so we didn't have Disney Channel. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was on but, TGI but, Fr- Friday, a TGIF on ABC? No. Yes. I know, but I didn't watch it, is what I'm saying. Oh. Okay. Were, I, I was out and about as a child. <laughs> Lauren was and busy then, being booked and blessed as a child. I mean, yeah. not really. Um, No, I think we got cable television when I was like nine or ten years old. My parents waited it out for as long as humanly possible. Um, But, um, but yeah, no, he's great. He was, he's I, great. I enjoy yeah, he was fully committed. He was in it, and I I got a kick out of him. And he 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 spins a good monologue. He spins a good monologue. Oh my god! And the and like the uh, I I agree with you with this with the script book, whatever you want to call it. But like specifically the uh, argument, the argumentative scenes, because like I haven't seen Twelve Angry Men, but this is what I imagine it is, where it's so high tension and just back and forth back and forth you know like they'll they'll circle around a conversation and yes things are repeated but it's so well 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 acted yes i'm adding an h in it because i can um i also language is fluid yes i also sharped the costumes and wigs like the wigs i you i didn't clock a a a lace front or anything they looked very natural to me Uh um except for you know some of the powdered wigs because they're that's the point of them but like i really did love the new york representative mr morris's wig it was bananas and beautiful (laughs) (laughs) um yes it was i i also shaved mama look sharp no pun intended and also this is the stupidest sharp that i wrote down from the movie because i have to have at least one stupid thing in this section and that and that is the watermill and he plays his violin i loved it it was beautiful i want it (laughs) it's so stupid and i'm not sorry okay it's okay you're allowed listen sharp is a sharp regardless of how um smart or not smart and you got to see it twice in that song oh i loved it (laughs) okay what were your flats or do you have any flats um i think a lack of perspective from the women that these men are with or from the people that these that they represent which you brought up and i'm like ah, that is kind of an interesting problem that that presents other than these few brief glimpses and I would I don't know. Here's you know I say this, and a part of my brain is like it wouldn't have added lore; it would have subtracted. Um, so I don't. It's a flat-ish. We're just slightly under pitch. Slightly, <laughs> it's not okay. totally. Yeah, it's not totally flat, but it's it's a little under pitch. It's not a natural. It's just a little mm, little under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, yeah and, I can see that. Yeah, and I think the fact that, you know, it, I as much as I loved that it felt like I was in the theater, I also wanted to feel like I was in a movie, and I felt like they could have done some things cinematically to add to that that wouldn't have taken away from the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Those right. are my two big, those are the two things I feel most strongly about. And, and I recognize that I am contradicting myself, but I don't think these ideas are mutually exclusive. You're You're allowed to have two true statements about that contradict each other because 
we're humans mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we're walking contradiction always and forever it's true yeah um, with feelings uh i flatted majority of the songs because like i said <laughs> well no because i feel like this would have worked i think this i agree with you this would have worked better if it was just like a straight movie mm-hmm. or play or something sure. maybe have music not songs but like music as like background but like I don't know some of the songs did take like like at face value sit down John and but Mr. Adams they're and also the Lees of Old Virginia they are insane songs that I was just like (laughs) why Again, but again, at face value, and this being my first time watching it, I didn't have time to actually like think about what I'm listening to or delve deeper. I was just like, "Gotta finish this. We gotta record." Um, uh, the joys of producing things on your own. I know, right? And then mm-hmm. also, I didn't like the camera work during the dance break, and he plays his violin. It was weird. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think I mean when I say like there's some things they could have done cinematically to really help themselves that they just did not do. Like, um, I can't remember which argument it was in the Continental Congress, but there was a a very long take where it was walking, the camera was walking around the room and you saw, and like, yes, there were some cuts here and there, but like that was more in, interesting and entertaining than the dizzy sp- circles that spinning that they were doing in the dance break and so I think if they focused more if they didn't have if they had something a little differently I think I would have liked it more sure sure you could tell what they put the budget into the costume which is which essentially I what I wonder in hindsight whether or not they just pulled the ones that were being used uh from the Broadway production probably the one that oh god who is it, oh, fuck, I already forgot his name. Who's the one that doesn't sign? Dickinson? No, Ruffledge. Yes. Dickinson. No, Dickinson leaves. Dickinson's frock coat's fabric, I just want it in my life. I don't want the frock coat, I want the fabric. Right, you just want the material. <laughs> it, it's that beautiful, like, I want to say it's emerald green. It's a green of some sort. And it's a cool the, color. <laughs> and the print on it was so expensive and posh and beautiful looking that I was just like I need drapes or something out of it that I'll turn into play clothes I was about to say the curtains the curtains (laughs) uh would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist I stand by sit down John I stand by it I will stand by and here's the thing every year um leading up to the 4th of July I listen to 1776 I listen to Hamilton um I listen to the blue and the gray um I work my way through like the American history musical theater yes the canon in it because there is more out there I think that it's not all of them have been turned into movies uh, at, at this point in time, I would say only two technically are movies, which is this one and Hamilton, which is on, you know, it's on Disney Plus. So they just filmed the stage version. That's yeah. why I'm like, it is a movie, but it's not a movie. But you can stream it, but it's not a movie. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I didn't know that you loved this show so much. Yeah. Out of surprise. Out of little years of friendship. No. I did not know that you loved, you did love this show. And so 
I'm very happy that you said yes to doing this. Yeah. Well, you want to know what it is, is that I feel like while it has its issues, especially from an inclusivity standpoint, I've seen productions, like I saw it twice in concert um, at Studio 54 on 4th of July weekend. That's what Studio 54 will do. I'm sorry, I'm 54 below, like the basement, the cabaret space. And they do it in concert. So the first time I saw it, it was like, almost the entire cast of the most recent revival that was, I think in the nineties came and they reprised their roles. And it was hilarious. Like the reason why I sit down, John is so close to me is I was sitting relatively close to the stage and, you know, 54 below for those who've never been is a supper club. It's cabaret space. They do concerts. It's, it's a lovely, lovely venue. If you ever come to New York and you're looking for a intimate, cool, very New York experience, you need to go to 54 below and see a show. Doesn't matter what it is. Go, just go treat yourself to the experience. Yes. And John, the actor playing John Adams, who did it in the revival, gets up and he starts the monologue about, you know, how, you know, a group of idiots is a Congress or whatever the line is. I'm not, I'm not doing justice. And then as soon as the song started, there were men all over 54 Below that were just like casually sitting in their seats and eating and drinking with the people at their table. And all of them at once stood up and just started singing Sit Down, John. And it was hands down the coolest immersive experience I've had as a theater fan in so long. And like there were men everywhere. And I I think I was recently single too. So I was extra like hyped <laughs> about the experience. I was like, oh my God, all these men, all these juicy voices. Ah, all right. Mama's in for a good night tonight. Hey! And then... <laughs> yes. And then and Lauren so, went up and it was just like, who wants to play me like a violin anyway? Exactly. I'm going to be Abigail. And <laughs> Hello. Can I also be the egg? <laughs> Things get weird over here sometimes. Um, we've, so- had, we've had time to sit down and think a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's never a good thing. According to Beauty and the Beast, thinking is a dangerous pastime. Um, That all said, Sit Down, John, is just, it's so near and dear to my heart. (laughs) I know that you think it's insane. I know you've already said as much, and I I accept that. I'm like, it is. It's kooky. At face value. (laughs) I have to add that caveat because... Like I wrote, I mean, to answer the life's playlist question for myself, Mm -hmm. I wrote down none because like, although I do appreciate the songs as Mm -hmm. a separate entity from the story and everything for the most, for some of them, not all of Mm -hmm. them. um, I don't think I want to like listen to them again and again. Okay. That's fair. I don't know. I I may like after a second or third viewing of the movie, or after we see the, the the revival, I may have I may be whistling a different tune, but <laughs> literally, literally, I may actually be whistling a tune from the show. Um, yeah, I think I, I think in that regard, I have one up on you because I've known the show since I was a child. Yes, yes, I have an unfair advantage in this particular arena. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I said, I listen to it every 4th of July or leading up to the 4th of July. It's in the rotation and it's a nice, actually kind of a nice break, especially because the blue and the gray is, is a dark musical. Um, it's about the civil war. Um, and, and Hamilton obviously is, is a little bit of everything. So 
So this is just mostly silly, which I appreciate in that mix. Okay, great. Okay, okay. This is, okay. Because I was just like, this is really silly. Is this supposed to be silly? Am I reading too much into it? Okay. No, I think it is mostly silly. And then you have moments in it that clearly are not. Well, that's why like, like, you know, with some of the songs, like, like, of course, Mr. But Mr. Adams is ridiculous. Piddle Twiddle and Resolve, ridiculous. Um, the Lees of Old Virginia. I mean, <laughs> insane. It's a, but you, yes, but then you balance it out with something like cool, cool, considerate men. And you balance out with mama look sharp. And or you balance it rum, with um, rum and molasses to rum. Molasses is rum, anybody yeah. there? So I would say what this what's nice about the arc musically, um, since we're talking about what me and our life's playlist, what's nice about this arc is that we start silly and ridiculous and it becomes progressively more serious um, as the show progresses. The mood shifts over the course of time in this particular musical in this particular movie which i really kind of like so it's hard for me to sit and be like it's not you know i can't pick just one song i'm like but if i'm gonna pick one it is sit down john i mean you could also say the whole album i don't i well i don't feel that way i really do feel that way about sit down john and mama look sharp those are the two like Outside of Fourth of July, you would mm-hmm. listen to just those two, not the whole. Yes. Okay. Yes. More than I the think, whole album, I should say. Yes, not Not yes. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And also from a performer standpoint, so many of these songs are standalone songs that they're like, and they're great for auditions. They're great for cabarets. Like I've seen Mama Look Sharp out of context, like outside the show performed. And it's beautiful. It could still be beautiful. Oh. It still has all that heft and the weight that the song has because it's you know it's being told from the perspective of a person who's just seen his two best friends die yeah right i'm like that's heavy in a show that it has that is that musically is a little fluffy kind of up until the song right before it you're like oh okay (laughs) in your opinion does it kind of have drink with me vibes from les mis or did les mis borrow I should say, because it came after Mm -hmm. 1776. Because I kind of did get, I don't know what my brain is like comparing it to, but I think it's that. It could be. I don't necessarily agree because I think Mama Look Sharp is actually a better song from a musical standpoint. Well, not not like a, I meant more like in context of the show, where it's like uh, the characters who are singing the songs seen a lot of shit go down. And we're having a very serious moment uh-huh. in, and like, you know, um, I feel like they're perpetuating the story forward in a similar matter in both shows, but not necessarily they are like, it's not, I'm not saying that they're one-to-one the same. I'm like, in context of the show, I feel like the song, uh-huh. the each song is doing a similar job. Okay, sort of, sort of. I'll give you sort of. (laughs) Again, first time watching this, so. Yeah, yeah, no, no, listen, that's actually probably, here's the thing, what's interesting is you have somebody like me who knows the show and knows the movie fairly well, and then there's someone like you who's seeing it and hearing it for the first time. So I also could, you know, my opinion is, I, I don't know, I guess I could learn from listening to you. And I learned a lot from you today. Yay! Exchange I w- of knowledge. I will be revisiting this 
show <laughs> movie at some point in the future because like, like every so often whenever I do um, I have a topic like this that I've never seen before I feel like I do it a disservice watching it only once and then having my viewpoints blown out into the world because you know podcasting but like sure. the, the, there's very few that I've done so far that I'm like I will rewatch this because like I was I was <laughs> there was something there that like I need to revisit and you know reevaluate myself so sure sure and I also know that some people have had you watch some things on here that have been questionable to begin with I don't think that this is one of those no <laughs> no not at all um okay I'm calling it we're done with the episode yeah, oh, dead at Lauren. Do you have anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, well, as always, you can find me on Instagram at L A G I Z Z underscore S A N G S. That's La Gisaz. That's usually where you can find me. Um, I don't have anything to promote at the moment. Everything I'm working on is super new, super like we get changes the day of, and just nobody knows what anything is going to sound or look like. And we just are diving in head first. And obviously, if there's any changes to anything you people will find out about your prod these projects on your socials so that is correct make sure you follow lauren to find out where you can find (laughs) find 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 this very talented human (laughs) thank you (laughs) um and if you want to you know i don't know voice your concerns and opinions about 1776 you can you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram and twitter sometimes at buttersongpod are you excited for this new production of it tell me about it i would love to hear your your thoughts or are you in it and you're like listen this is how we're doing it and i'll be like great come on and talk more about it Uh, And if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about Top Secret. There's an exclamation point in the the actual title of it. Okay, but is that like the name of the musical movie or movie musical? Or is that just the thing? It's just, or it's Top Secret, you're not telling us. That's the name of it. Top Secret. Like I said, there is an exclamation mark in the title. It's okay. When I saw it written in the breakdown, I thought, oh, you're just going to keep secrets. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> i thought it was a secret i thought it was a real secret every so um, often i keep secrets from everyone <laughs> well every, uh lauren thank you so much for coming back onto the pod to share your love and knowledge of 1776 everyone have a happy and safe independence day if you're listening to this in america um and if you're listening to this in the uk uh not sorry. Happy Treason Day, bitches! Happy Treason Day! Woo! <laughs> That's what they said in the show, in the it, movies. Like, so who else is going to sign for treason? They do. It, and, like, it's re- it was really funny when John Hancock was like, if we get arrested right now, I'm the only one that signed, the, signed this treasonous document. <laughs> ah, love it. Okay. <laughs> bye for now, everyone. Goodbye! 
Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.